Welcome to the Dent Report. I am your host, Andy Ruther, coming to you live from some random Airbnb in Orange County, California, on this December 4th, 2019. I made the trek, guys. I left the Smut Studio. I hopped on the busiest freeway in America, for people who do not know, the 405. It is a disaster. But uh, I timed it out like we do in Southern California. Uh, I came down here to meet my guest, who is also a listener of the DSPN brand. And he reached out to me. And this is what I love when you guys do this, because his job is something I've talked about at length on this show with my past of being a degenerate in a fraternity and what happens now, I've always wanted to know what happens now in fraternity and sorority life versus when I was a degenerate graduating college in 2005. So without further ado, my guest today, the one and only, Stephen Hobson. Thanks for having me. So you, you DM me. This is, what, this is what I like, Stephen. You slid into the DMs, as, as the dirtballs do, and you're like, yo, dude, I am the, give your title. The Associate Director of Fraternity and Sorority Life. So the Associate Director of fraternity and sorority life at Westchester University in Westchester, Pennsylvania. That's correct. So you are in charge of, this one I ask first, because you probably can't say this more. Can you even say frat? You can. Um, it's fraternity. Yeah, so like when I was, when I joined, it was really instilled in me that we called it fraternally out of kind of uh, respect for it and also yeah. the notion that like, Frats get kicked off campus. Fraternities make men better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny because even when I was in a fraternity, that still held up. And I'm aging myself. You know, I started school in 2000. But they said that. They said, you know, basically the same thing about, you know, frats a negative connotation, but fraternity are, are good men. And look, I'm not saying that fraternities aren't good men, but there's a lot of fucking partying that happens there too, right? Oh, yeah, they definitely uh, go for the balance of work hard, play hard. Yeah. So how long have you had this job? Like uh, two months, actually. This oh, is, oh, you're a so, newbie. So, like, I had a job previous that was very similar, but, like, I, I moved over to this job to be closer to my family, and also it was a, a nice promotion. So when you're running, like, like your day-to-day operations, well, let, let's just get into it. So, like, what, what would you be doing day-to-day? I get in the office around eight, uh, check the emails to see if there's anything that happened after work hours that I need to address. Yeah. Uh, and then a lot of it is meeting with the students and the members to see what they're doing and how I can help them. Um, and addressing any concerns that they have or, or anything's coming up. And then if there's any kind of programming things that we're doing or like recruitment, uh, talking about kind of that, that communication line for those programs or recruitment season. So how big is Westchester University? It's probably a small school. Uh, it's actually a pretty decently sized. Um, we have about 2,000 fraternity and sorority life members. Oh, so you have 2,000 Greeks. Yeah. Do people use the term Greeks? Uh, we do. It's we're, The industry as a whole is phasing it out um, because some organizations don't use Greek letters. Um, and so like there's farmhouse fraternally, it doesn't have any, yeah, letters. Yeah, yeah. and also international students get really confused, yeah. um, because they think it's like Greek Greece. And so if you're an international student, you get really confused about 
people talking about Greek life, but then not actually talking about Greece, the country. <laughs> they're like this Greek life. They're not eating any euros. What's going on here? They're just getting drunk. That's interesting. Yeah, because I didn't experience that till I did a bunch of fraternity shows when I used to go on the road and do that. I didn't know anything about until, yeah, like there's a farmhouse. There's also Triangle. Triangle. We I, I did a it's funny it's funny thing about Triangle. So that's an engineering fraternity for anybody who doesn't know. And the Triangle fraternity at University of Michigan brought me back three years in a row. <laughs> and I love those kids. Cause and that's a good school, right? It's a really good school, Ann Arbor. If anybody goes to Michigan, it's a real good school. And that fraternity, and I hate to say it, but it was like your stereotypical nerdy, lot of mostly like Asian kids, Indian kids, uh, engineers, smart kids. But when they let loose, like they just wanted to bring me in to just go, they, like they wanted the comedy show and then just go nuts afterwards. And one year I stayed up there. Oh, they were, they were so nice. I stayed up there. I did the show on a Friday night. Then I went to the game. Then I went to the Michigan Purdue football game at the Big House. The ne- the next day, next morning, got up, tailgated with all the kids. Then that night, because Michigan hockey's good too. Then that night, they got me tickets to Michigan hockey against Miami of Ohio. Miami of Ohio is real good at hockey, too. So, like, I did the comedy show. I got the football game, the hockey game, and then I finally left. And I, <laughs> I was, like, driving back to my parents because Ann Arbor is, like, three and a half hour, four hours north of Cincinnati. And, uh, like, I did it all that weekend. I, I, I went to all those games, and I had sex with some girl in the frat house. Like, I was just a savage you had the full college experience in a day. Yeah, in 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 about a day and a half. And at the time, I was I was like twenty eight. Talk about talk about holding on. But I feel like it's different now. Like you now, when did you graduate school? I graduated undergrad in twenty sixteen. Okay, so you're not that far removed from being an undergrad. Have you seen any changes at all from when your your experience as an undergrad versus now? In the, in the fraternity and sorority life? Biggest boom would probably be social media, like that aspect of it, of just kind of like putting everything on there, um, as well as using it to kind of interact with each other more. Yeah. And then like a lot of a lot of how recruitment happens now is on Instagram, is how like they find ah, out about it. Ah, see, that's interesting. Yeah, because like when, when I was going through Rush, is what they call it, when, when you're looking at the different fraternities and sororities, so you're saying a lot of that now happens through social media because back in like my day, you had to go to the certain events, right? There was, and it was always, it was always dry, right? It's still dry. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. probably everywhere. But guys, that just means they're not serving booze. So like, that's when you'd go to like the bowling alley and meet the guys. And then you go to putt putt, you know, your miniature golf or whatever. And then a pizza night. And, uh, but yeah, I never thought of that. How social media now. It's just a huge influence. Yeah, they still have all those events, but really the first impression that, that people have of the organizations is through like what they see on the social media pages, especially Instagram. Um, it's like 90% of the time people find out about fraternities for life or a chapter by Instagram. Yeah. And do you guys have to moderate that, what they're posting on social media? It's different by school, uh, and each school kind of has like its different policy. Uh, we, like I don't, really like do anything with the accounts directly but like i have access to them i see them um and as long as everything's in good taste and they also know that like hey this is like a chapter or council account so we have to make it 
you know, it has to be nice because it's not just like my personal one, but it's representing the, the council or the chapter. Yeah. And it's always confusing, right? Because I know for me, for people who don't understand this, and I think I'm just going to explain this because I, I don't know, I don't know how many listeners understand, you know, the fraternity and sorority life. You're, you're a member of a chapter at a university, just so people know. So you have a national fraternity, which might have 110 chapters. Like I was a Delta Sigma Phi. I think we had like 110 chapters at 110 universities. That just means I'm one of 110. And there's the national fraternity. Our our headquarters was in Indianapolis. I think there was a lot in Indianapolis. There's a bunch. Indianapolis is like a hub. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my national headquarters. So everybody has to technically report to nationals. But it was always weird for me too because – you know, you have your, and I've talked about it on the show, you have your brothers at different schools, which I don't know how it was for you. For me, you could just show up. It's the craziest concept. And yeah, it they, is. And they have to house you. Yeah. Uh, so I'm a part of Sigma Phi Epsilon, and we have this national policy. Oh, like, Sig Ep. Yeah. Uh, and so we have this thing called the Red Door Policy, to where like every chapter house, they paint their outside door red. It's one of our colors. And it's kind of a thing of like, oh, if you're a Sig Ep and you see a, a red door at the house, that means you're always welcome. Which is crazy to think, though. Yeah. Like, if you think about it. Like, I didn't think it was crazy at the time, but now we are, you know, as a, as a little older, me a lot older, that's a crazy concept to just, you knock on the door and you're like, yo, dude, I'm your brother at St. Louis University. And you're like, what? Yeah, I need a place to crash tonight. And and we did it. We'd be on, on road trips or I know my brother had some funny stories. He was doing some road trips on the East Coast and... <laughs> You, you'd have what you would have is you'd have like a and this I'm really aging myself now like we had a book of all our national chapters you know guys I'm, I'm pre-iPhone we'll, we'll get to that and I'm pre-iPhone so you look in the book you'd be like oh yeah we're in Philly we got a chapter at Drexel University or wherever and then you just show up and you're like yeah dude can you guys house us tonight which is crazy because you could be housing criminals like assholes like that's kind of a wild concept. Yeah, it's changed now with, with social media because you'll like follow chapters around you and that will kind of like give you some interactions with them or um, a lot a lot of times these uh, really big schools with really big sports programs, if they have like a big game coming up, then some of the uh, chapters that are kind of around that like don't have like a Division One football game, a uh, football program will go and like tailgate with them. Yeah, yeah. No, that's cool. We used to always do... We'd visit a chapter, a different chapter, once a semester, just like a road trip. And I always went. I was that guy. I was like, dude, I'm going to as many co-. like I was. I loved college so much. I was like, which college can I be a mess at? So I, I visited them all. If if they were like, hey, we're gonna go to our brothers, see our brothers at Iowa State or Eastern Illinois or Southern Illinois, because those are a lot. Like those last two schools are pretty close to St. Louis U. I would just go and just be a mess. Now, what has changed the most? Like, I graduated school in 2005, and I was telling you before we went live, and I said this on the show, the iPhones has changed everything. Like, I'm lucky. I am, I am the last generation. Like, they call the people who went – I always joke with my buddy. They call the people, Stephen, who went to World War II and who fought and who saved the world, the greatest generation – my generation before the iPhone in like college was the last generation, right? Like, 
like you said to me before we went live, because you've obviously heard some of my stories. You're like, dude, you would have just been thrown out of school. Oh yeah, no, you you definitely would have been kicked out of <laughs> of the chapter and possibly school. Yeah, like hands down. Yeah, you just can't get away with this stuff anymore. No. Like if somebody does something that's questionable with your job, do you instantly know? Like, does it come right back to you? Yeah, that's also part of the the kind of social media iPhone generation things is that the the grapevine is is now also on on social media, um, and so they'll post things that um, they shouldn't have like done in the first place on there, and then that just kind of makes its rounds. Or um, I'm sure you had this when when you were in college, but everyone talks to each other, and then everyone just you know the whispers go around, and you hear the whispers of things, and that's how you pick up on a lot of it. What's what's something crazy you've seen? In the, in the first few months in the job? Uh, so this isn't in the first few months, but the craziest story that I think I have is I was interning in grad school at a college um, up, up in the Northeast, and I put on this event, and it was with the, the chapters, the students, and campus safety and campus conduct. And one of the students raised their hand and said, uh, excuse me, how many kegs can we have at our parties? And I was, like, blown away that this was a real question. Yeah. And then the campus conduct and campus safety just kind of looked at each other and they were just like, we'll say 10, 10 the maximum. And I was like, whoa, what? Yeah. I didn't even think, okay. Were you surprised that they would allow booze? Is that what surprised you? Uh, I was surprised they allowed it in like a keg form, like large quantities. Okay. Um, and yeah. also just saying 10 of them. 10 kegs is a lot. It's a lot of kegs. Yeah. Although, you know, if you got 200 people. It's not. It's not as much as you think. So that 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 that's your real shocking story that the cakes. Honestly, I was I was I stepped back from that one because I was just like I was blown away by that answer. Um, <laughs> that's your here I am shitting in washing machine, <laughs> flopping my dick around everywhere I go, and you're like, dude, this guy has the question about having ten kegs. It's kind of questionable. That's amazing. That that's but you haven't seen. Now I'm just kind of bragging. You haven't seen Andy Ruther level stuff, have you? Thankfully, no. <laughs> probably would have been a lawsuit. Yeah, I know. It's unbelievable. There's footage out there, man. My buddy's got my buddy's got a camcorder. We watched it. I went home from my other buddy's wedding. There's a lot of shit out there. Like, like what's crazy is the amount of times I got naked. Like, I'd a hundred percent just be kicked off the campus for that. Like, you, what would happen now? What would happen? Let's just let's just go back to let's. Let's do something that I did at Westchester. Let's say somebody's at a fraternity party. They they drop their pants. They're shaking their you know junk around. They're being a jackass like me. It's something I would do. What do you do? This comes to you. Title IX investigation. Title IX investigation. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what does that entail? Uh, so Title IX overviews any um, kind of sexually based conduct thing so sexual harassment rape anything like that uh since you got naked that would constitute that yeah so you would go through the the title nine conduct process which is um um, a lot of schools have their own like title nine officer or conduct office and so i wouldn't directly oversee it i would just kind of say call the title nine office and say hey here's what i know um because i am legally obligated to report that yeah um so i guess my question to you because title nine existed when i was in school um 
and a lot of people associate Title IX with sports, <laughs> um, and it, it, it encompasses all of this. I'm glad that you're explaining that for people who aren't familiar. This is interesting that you're saying that because, again, Title IX existed when I was in school 15, 16 years ago, but the difference is it's more hush-hush again, right? Probably because of the phones and no social media. It could be, I think... Um, or they just turned a blind eye. That, and I think, uh, like, administrations, like, country administrations have different interpretations of it, so there's a lot of conversation going on around right now because the current administration and the current... Um, Secretary of Education Betsy DeVos is thinking about changing uh, like the Title IX language and that would throw off a lot of the processes that schools have. Um, and so I think part of it also comes with um, kind of the politics of it, of how different administrations are interpreting and kind of writing what Title IX actually means. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it's it's crazy. You said to me before we recorded, like, People probably like we were discussing like stuff I would do or guys in my fraternity do versus now. It's like there, there's, there's probably not really much of a of a correlation or connection, right? I don't know. I mean, if so, people people back in the day got away with a lot more. That's what I'm saying. Because kids um, are still going to party. I'm not denying that. Yeah, no. kids are still going to party. They're still going to fornicate. They're going to do whatever. But do drugs again? I just think with the phone, it's just so. It's so prevalent to see and out there. I don't know. I think it'd be like kind of an interesting kind of psychology study because everyone really wants to have that viral moment, whether it's kind of good or bad, like they just kind of want to want to have it. So I wonder if like subconsciously part of them put all those things on social media because they like want it to be seen of like, look what I did. Yeah. Um, And I think part of it is also like, can I get away with this? Um, Yeah. they, They think that or not. Um, and so I think that that does play part of it, but also when you have kind of what I was saying before off air, when you have people that were before the iPhone generation come back and tell all these stories of just all the crazy times they had and you're 18 or 19 year old and you're hearing all these stories and you're like, oh, that, that sounds hilarious. That sounds like so much fun. I'm going to recreate that, um, without realizing the repercussions it has. Yeah. It's just, even just small things like. Like my fraternity, for example, would you know, every semester you'd get you get like strippers for a pledge class. I just feel like that wouldn't. I'm not saying it doesn't happen, and obviously everyone's at different schools, and you're at a smaller school, and and I'm sure things are a little more crazy. I, I don't know if that's the right word at maybe like a bigger state school, but like again, I just feel like all that stuff just gets back. Like, oh, we're going to get strippers and there's dominatrix or whatever. I don't know. It's just, it's it's interesting. Like, we would always kidnap an active once a semester. That was part of the thing. You'd kidnap an active. And I know I've said this before. You either kidnapped an active in the fraternity that you liked or disliked. And either way, you were getting them just destroyed. Like, they would do crazy stuff. So one year, the active they kidnapped in my fraternity... They got in a car <laughs> and they drove from St. Louis to West Lafayette where Purdue is and they dropped off the active and left in our chapter at Purdue. So imagine that. Like, like again, let's, let's talk about your current job. So, so to reiterate, they, they kidnap this active. They drive about four, four and a half hours from St. Louis to West Lafayette. They drop them off. Like... What's happening to those kids who did that? 
Hazing investigation. Hazing investigation. Mm-hmm. Ah, man. It's crazy how much shit has changed. Like, does hazing... Where is the state of hazing... Now, obviously, you don't know the whole country, but I'm just asking for your opinion. Like, where's the state of hazing, do you think, in the Greek life across colleges in America? I generally and honestly think it's at kind of the the tipping point because there's been some really high-profiled hazing cases in the past couple of years, um, yeah. one of them being in Pennsylvania with uh, Timothy Piazza at Penn State. And, um, he died, was, right? He did. Um, and, 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 and refresh my memory, I remember reading that. What, what did he die of? Alcohol poisoning. And okay. so he was, uh, it was right around initiation time or it might have been right after initiation time. And they got him just absolutely loaded with alcohol. And then he fell down the stairs and heard himself. And then they... They covered it up. Uh, yeah. Right? So it was this big thing because there was uh, some people that are like, oh, let's... Classic Penn let's, State, by the way, covering it up. Let's call... Uh, Let's call for help. Um, and then people, other people in the chapter from the reports I, I gathered were like, no, we don't want to get in trouble. And then that caused some division. And then they ultimately, they didn't call for help and they wound up dying um, from that. And there was another one in um, Louisiana at LSU, Max Groover. Um, and a very similar thing happened there. And so now Pennsylvania has one of the strictest hazing laws in the country because the the parents of, of Timothy Piazza, Max Groover, and, and a couple others kind of came together and they're like, I don't want any other parent to lose their child. Um, so they kind of formed a, um, a coalition against hazing and they've been lobbying for um, state and federal laws against hazing. So what is that law in the state of Pennsylvania? Uh, so it's it makes it uh, a felony. And so um, I forget. Hazing is a felony? Hazing is a felony. But Um, what determines hazing, I guess it would be my question. I forget the exact wording, but the general kind of consensus is anything that causes uh, physical, psychological, or emotional damage to a person. See, I got issues with that. To me, that's ambiguous. Oh, hazing laws always have to be ambiguous because you can't account for everything. Right, because you're saying physical, I think we can know. Okay, you physically hurt somebody. That's not ambiguous. That's very straightforward but psychological see i'm not going to be the old guy like i understand we can change on things but this is what this is where i think it turns into an interesting discussion at what point are you old enough to just say dude i'm not doing this do you see what i'm saying like like it, it always brings me back to that old dave Chappelle bit that he used to do about r kelly which i always that's why i always love Chappelle is that he would make a social commentary so funny and there really is a correlation the bit was about how old will a girl be like yo stop peeing on me and it's funny but he's got a point so the reason i'm bringing that up is with this but i'm not justifying them covering up this kid falling and him dying that it's a terrible terrible tragedy but i'm just saying in general at what point does an 18-year-old, you're 18, you can legally go to war, you can vote, you can do a lot of things, right? At what point do you just say, fuck you, I'm not drinking anymore? You know what I'm saying? I think it's an interesting discussion. Yeah, I think it's, uh, you have to kind of take it in the bigger picture of that, though, because you're 18, that's usually the first time you're kind of on your own, and so you're making all these decisions for yourself, you're away from your family, so really, at the heart of it is you really 
and part of the reason people join the fraternity is that notion of like fitting in. Yeah. And so I think part of it is like they don't want to um, say stop because they don't want to be ostracized or outcast from from this group. That a lot of peer pressure. Yeah, and also. Um, just trying to think back to when we were 18, how much confidence did you have to go up to a senior, someone that's like, you know, 21, 22 and saying like, no, you're not going to do this to me. No, um, no, I didn't. I didn't. And I agree with you there. I agree with everything you just said. I guess I'm just posing. I'm kind of playing a devil's advocate a little, right? I'm just posing the question of I didn't and I was a coward and I didn't have the balls and I know I was Mr. Oh, I'm going to make them laugh, you know, and I'm going to be an attention whore. But that doesn't mean that I couldn't. Does that make sense? Again, I'm just kind of playing devil's advocate. Like I still had the willpower to be like, okay, I'm not doing this. I'm not saying it's easy. I, I think it's just an interesting discussion. Um, th- that's why like with me and, and these rules and like I, I have – hazing is interesting for me. There's a difference between physical hazing and just maybe mocking or doing funny things. Yeah, so statistically, fraternities do a lot more physical hazing, and then sororities do a lot more uh, psychological and emotional hazing. Yeah, that um, makes sense. And I think both of them are equally important because uh, the physical ones, you can see everything. Um, the psychological and emotional ones, you don't get to see everything, and so you don't know how much that pushes someone to the edge. Yeah. And I think that's the dangerous part of that one is you don't know if like the the thing you're doing that's causing them that that distress is going to be the thing that kind of pushes them over the edge to where something tragic happens um and we're kind of seeing more and more things along the psychological lines and so there's been a couple of cases not in like college related um to where people have like texted their significant other or like someone that um they were close to like oh go kill yourself like through text messages and then that person carries through with it and that person that sent that text message is now actually being charged and prosecuted well, for that, that. That happened, what was that, that girl in Massachusetts? Yeah, I think there's another one that came up recently about it. But see, I have problems with that too. Like, my thing is, they're not actually causing... I'm not, again, I'm, I'm not supporting somebody to tell somebody to really kill themselves. But it, but at the end of the day, they're the ones killing themselves. I, see, I am a, I am, I'm a firm believer in the individual. I always have been, and like that's kind of my philosophy. That's why I like a lot of these books that talk about the individual, and it, it goes in my political philosophy too. Of like, why are we lumping groups together? Why are we being tribalistic, right? So for me, it's like, dude, that's on you as an individual. At the end of the day, you pulled the trigger or you hung yourself. It's obviously a terrible situation, but I guess that's my problem with a lot of this stuff. Is at the end of the day, when when is the individual held accountable? Right. And, and that's that's all. But this is all a good discussion. And I think it's interesting. And especially for someone like you, that you have to deal with this uh, for your job, because just talking to you now, it's got me thinking about stuff that I did and my fraternity did. We were never physical. And that was like always our thing was that that's why I liked my fraternity is that we weren't about that shit. Like, no, like I would go down like Stephen, my buddy. My buddy went to Arkansas, or he's from Arkansas, a bunch of guys in my fraternity, and uh, when we would go down to the Sigma Chi house at Arkansas, like I would see what they would do. And you know, this is early 2000s, so it's a lot different. Like Those guys would just be assholes. We never did that, but we would do, we would do funny stuff, like we'd go, we'd take our pledges to like the mall, 
and and we'd we'd hot <laughs> we're so childish we'd we'd tell him you got to go pick out a thong in victoria's secret and say where's your dressing room and we'd watch him do it and we'd laugh like children but again that's hazing yes like that would constitute hazing yes because we're again not physically but psychologically messing with them yeah and i think that's kind of the the point to get back to is you don't know what like is going inside like a person's head, and I think that's the dangerous part with psychological and emotional hazing, is you don't know if that was the thing that kind of tips them over the edge. You don't know if that person had some like um, upbringing to where um, they uh, had some things going on that was very just um, drilled into the head of like traditional masculinity, and then them having the gadathon just kind of destroys them inside because yeah. it destroys like what they were raised up in, and then like something bad happens. And I think part of the the things you have to look at is not only what the action is, but what causes the action. And so like, yeah, like for, for someone um, taking their own life, they physically have to do it themselves. Yeah. But that doesn't mean like that was the cause of it. There's things that build up to it to sure. get to that point. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's interesting. You're right. It's almost like an onion. You got to peel different layers back. And, and these are complicated issues for sure. Now you're out here. Why, why are you out here? You're attending a conference. We should explain to the listeners why you're doing that. Yeah. So every year around this time, a bunch of fraternity and sorority life advisor professionals from around the country get together for a conference for the Association of Fraternity and Sorority Advisors annual meeting. And is it normally out here, or does it bounce around? It's a different city every year. Um, last year we were in Indianapolis. Two years ago it was Atlanta. Big upgrade, Indianapolis to uh, to Anaheim. Although you came out here during a rainy season too. Yeah. Uh, so the Indianapolis one was kind of funny because there's also another really big uh, fraternity for life conference that happens in Indianapolis every year. And it's always in Indianapolis. So um, some of the people, when it was announced that it was an indie, were kind of bummed because they were like, oh, like I go there all the time yeah. because also a lot of um, fraternity sorority national headquarters are in Indianapolis as well. So like what, what are you discussing at this conference? So you had a, probably a long day, right? This like like a like you go to different meetings and different speakers and stuff like that. Yeah. So uh, the the opening of it happened tonight, uh, and kind of the tomorrow is really the first big full day of of different sessions. And there's sessions on uh, a bunch of different topics. One of them is health and safety. So how can you know kind of what we've been talking about for the past however long of how can we help keep these uh, students safe and, and yeah. being responsible. Um, some of them are on processes of like what is the best way to do things. Um, some of them are just educational on like, hey, we've done some research. Here's what we found type of things. Before we continue my interview with Stephen Hobson, I want to remind all the listeners to go take advantage of a great holiday gift with my friends at Harry's. That's right, guys. A great stocking stuffer would be a Harry's shave set. And best of all, all the listeners of The Dent Report get $5 off any shave set by heading to harrys.com forward slash dent. Free shipping ends on December 16th. That's next week. So act now. It's a great gift for your father, brother, husband, boyfriend, you name it, guys. It's a great gift. And the holiday sets start at just $20. So it can fit within that budget of yours. As a special offer of our show, once again, we've partnered with Harry's to give you $5 off any shave set, including their limited edition holiday sets, when you go to harrys.com forward slash dent. Plus, you'll get free shipping 
Each Harry shaving set comes with a weighted handle with option to engrave, five blade razor cartridges, foaming shave gel for a rich lather, and a travel cover to protect your blades, and last but not least, packaged in a handsome holiday gift box. It really does look great. It looks great. It feels great. Everything about this is great. Once again, free shipping ends on December 16th, so act now. Just go to harrys.com forward slash dent. That's harrys.com forward slash dent. All right, let's continue our interview with Stephen Hobson. What percentage, because I know a lot of people, we talked about, you know, frat versus fraternity, and, and, and there are obviously a lot of negative connotations, but people don't realize the amount of community service, I think, that people in fraternities and sororities do. And like, we were always very active in my school with that. Is that a big part of your school as well about having things and outreach in the community or programs that are also really good that a lot of times isn't highlighted? Again, you think drinking and partying and sex, but people don't realize how much uh, good things that the fraternities and sororities do in the uh, the community. Yeah, it's still a big part. Uh, every organization has a philanthropy that they're partnered with, um, like some of them are focused on like cancer research. Some of them are like big brother, big sister, um, yeah. kind of different things that they all partner with where they donate time or they raise money for. Um, and then some of them are kind of adopt local ones. Uh, street sweeps are a popular kind of activity to where they go and they clean up a highway or like a street from, from the weekend. Yeah. Um, and I think kind of getting back to when you asked what has changed since then, I think that service piece has been uh, really expanded on and really kind of um, pushed and made bigger uh, because I think we all kind of recognize that we're we're pretty fortunate to be able to be in a fraternity authority to kind of be in this collective of people that wants to better ourselves and and kind of each other and that notion of giving back uh, has really been kind of a big piece. Now I was the fraternity social chair for a semester. No no surprise there. Uh, which just basically for those who don't know, that just meant I was me and my buddy who was actually coming out to visit me. Um, this weekend, we were the social chair one semester. That just means we were in charge of the parties, the venues, the themes. I I, oh, I love the themes. You're a party planner. Well, I, dude, I yeah, well, it, it makes sense. Look what I do now, like the producing. I, I, I like organizing things, and I was big on theme parties because I like people dressing up because I like to dress up. And uh, but, but I remember it was a process. So like let's say we were going to do a party. So we had to register every party with the school. So – We'd say, okay, uh, this week we're doing our Catholic schoolgirl party, which probably wouldn't even exist anymore. No. Wouldn't exist. No. By the way, great. We, we, see, like every fraternity at my school kind of had their own thing. Like that was our – as far as like you could have one awesome theme. Like like I remember the Pikes had – I mean this would never exist anymore either. They had golf pros and tennis hoes. <laughs> Where girls would dress in slutty tennis outfits and the guys would dress like golfers. So ours was the Catholic school girl party. Pretty self-explanatory. The girls dress in uh, basically Britney Spears Catholic school outfits. So we would have to register it. And uh, we'd have to submit a form like, hey, we're doing it. Because uh, St. Louis U does not have frat houses. So we would always have to go to different venues. So we'd have to submit it, submit everything. And, you know, you normally always get the okay. And we, we had a bus service Basically, big school buses, yellow buses, would take us to and from the parties, and uh, you'd submit it. And it, there was a lot of paperwork, but it was still pretty easy. D does that happen at your school? Like, do people have to submit when they're throwing parties? 
Yeah. Uh, so that varies by institution, by school by school. Uh, but the one I'm currently at now, yeah, they, they have to register, especially if there's alcohol involved and they have to tell us um, it has to be a third party vendor or or they kind of have to have a really clear plan of like, where's the alcohol coming from? How is it being provided? Yeah. Um, how are you making sure everyone that is of legal age can drink? But like, so like wristbanding people sure. um, at the door. And so I think that's one of the other things that's changed is the processes of it and kind of the social consci- consciousness of things. So like the theme parties, um, a lot of the ones that happened back in the day wouldn't be really acceptable for right now. Would this one be acceptable? I'm curious. We did a white trash bash. That probably wouldn't even be acceptable, would it? Probably not, now. Man, I'm thinking of all our themes. White trash bash, Catholic schoolgirl party. We used to, we used to, this is what I used to do. <laughs> I, I used to, when I was social chair with my buddy, because we lived together, we used to just get drunk and think of themes where you could get everybody to just dress up and, of course, girls as scantily as possible. Like, that. that's all it was. And we'd make shirts. Like, yeah. that wouldn't exist. Like, the shirts... This was a shirt that I made uh, my sophomore year for the Catholic schoolgirl party. It was a picture of a girl, because St. Louis used a Catholic school as well, so it worked. It was a girl, um, and she was she was on her knees in like a church pew, and it said, we love girls who get on their knees, dot, 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 and then underneath the picture to pray. Now you definitely be coming to have a conversation with me. <laughs> Think about that. We sold those, and people were wearing those all over campus. Yeah, uh, they they kind of changed form now. Most of them just say like whatever organization date party or like date night. Yeah, um, and so they won't have like really the the theme if there is one to go with it. They'll just kind of be more of a generic like um, whatever Man. chapter date the, party. I'll be honest. They kind of cr- Stephen. It kind of crushes my heart a little. Like it crushes my heart that you can't just do a theme like. I get some, I get some of them, but oh man! By the way, I don't know if that's if that's your your roommate. Somebody walked by, and then he saw me in the headphones. We're, we're in an Airbnb. I don't I don't know. Is he, is he a bald dude? Yeah, it might have been him, and he was scared to come in. I don't know. <laughs> I I gave him a heads up that this was happening. And he oh, was like, okay, because he, he can come in here. We'll, we'll we'll bring him on board too. No, <laughs> you, actually, we should share. It's pretty funny. So you couldn't find this place. This is your first time in L.A. or Southern California, right? This is my first time in California. It, it was so there's a couple things on the Airbnb app. When you hit like get direction, it took me to a different place. OK. And so like at first I just got the directions off of there and my car, like my Uber dropped me off. And I was like, this isn't what the picture I have looks like. Um, and so then I looked at the messages that they sent and they sent me like an address, like a physical address instead of just the, the button. And it took me to like a place that was like 15 minutes away from that initial place. You know what I love real quick? If I can hop in, you know what I love about Airbnb, dude, it's, it's a crapshoot. You literally don't know. It's <laughs> like, I don't know how people aren't talking about this. The pictures, it's basically, here's what Airbnb is. It's like a dating app. You don't know what you're going to get until you show up on that date. Like somebody could look more attractive or they could sound crazy. That's kind of how Airbnb is because you're basing it off pictures, right? Dallas or Texas, I'm sorry, is the is the prime example uh, as far as what I'm talking about because I have two experiences. Uh, Prano can vouch for this. So in Dallas-Fort Worth, we have an amazing place. It's got this little cottage. It's got like a bunch of rooms, a little pool in the back. It was nicer than advertised, right? And then we got to Houston. And we're like, oh, this place will be chill. <laughs> Bro, it was in like the hood and 
Not to mention the room was tiny. It was janky. It, it was that's what I'm saying. Like you don't know until you show up. It's like a date. So you're here, and the funny thing is, you told me you guys show up, and it said for this is what I'm saying. It said for two. Yeah, it said uh, uh, two guests on there, and we only have one bed. <laughs> you're with the you you you're with you you're. you're is it a coworker at Westchester University? No, he's at a he's at a school in Texas, actually. Um, but oh. he was uh, he was in grad school at the, like the my last place I worked at, and okay. I was a supervisor. So he was my grad student, and now he's now he's a professional on his own right. Uh, but he's in Texas, and I'm in Pennsylvania now. Um, but you guys plan this, so like we're both going to this conference. Yeah, assuming there'd be two beds, you walk in, and it's like a honeymoon suite with the one bed in the center and the couch. Yeah. I- Honestly, I, I'm curious. How does this compare to the to the Smut Studio? Oh, size wise, it's pretty similar. So, well, the Smut Studio has a kitchen. Yeah, I feel like it's just missing the kitchen. Um, I bet it's very similar. Do you know what the square foot of this place is? The Smut Studio is 390 square feet. I have no idea what this is. I bet it's pretty similar. So you have a bathroom. Um, it's very open, like the Smut Studio. It might be a little smaller. It's always tough to tell. It might be a little smaller, but it's probably real similar. Yeah, dude. So this is basically what I live in. That's crazy. <laughs> Welcome to cost of living, man. It's no joke. Look, I know it. I went from New Jersey to Kansas to Pennsylvania. What was that like going from Jersey to Kansas? It was weird. Like Kansas is so flat and so spaced out. So flat. Yeah, and I was in I was in Western Kansas, so I was closer. So I was right in the middle between Kansas City and Denver. Um, oh, that's a rough stretch, bro. Yeah, and so like the next town over was like thirty minutes away, and it wasn't like there wasn't anything there aside from other farms. How far were you from Denver? Uh, four hours. Oh so yeah, four hours Denver, oh, four hours to Kansas City, bro. Jesus, I feel for you because I've driven through that. I've driven through that area a lot. And and I will I will still stand by this. I've said this forever. Kansas is the worst state to drive through. I haven't driven through all of them, but like Oklahoma's got or, oh yeah, Oklahoma and Nebraska both have to be up there. They're up there. Oklahoma's I've dri- I've basically driven through all those states. Oklahoma, Nebraska, Iowa. But man, that K- Kansas is so flat. I think it's so flat in like the seventy. The road that goes through it is just. You don't turn, so you're just on the. You're just driving straight for it's hours. About, it's about six. Am I right on this? If I recall, from like Kansas City to the end of the state, it's about six hours. Yeah, five six hours. Yeah, and people don't realize the eastern part of Denver is basically Kansas. Oh, the eastern part of Colorado uh, is just I'm, Kansas. I'm sorry, yeah. not Denver. That's what I meant to say. Yeah, until you get to the mountains, you unless Google tells you "Welcome to Colorado," you don't know which one you're in. And that's what I'm saying. People don't realize the eastern part of uh, Colorado is basically Kansas. Yeah, and then you finally hit the Rocky Mountains, and you're like, "Thank God." Yeah, that's a rough stretch. I've done that. I've done that a few times. That that's always got to be a shock. But you know what? You don't hear something crazy though. Now that I've been like in LA for twelve years, that'd be nice for me for like a week. <laughs> yeah, but for a week. For a week. Like, I'd love to go in the middle of Kansas and just be like, dude, I'm decompressing for a week. See if they have any Airbnbs. That'd be, that'd be hilarious. <laughs> if I vacationed in, like, Topeka. Or wh- where were you at? 
I was in uh, Hayes, Kansas. Hayes. How how big is Hayes, Kansas? I think it's like maybe 8,000 people. Oh, man. It's going to be tough on the fucking dating apps there, bro. Yeah. It was. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, that's actually an interesting question. You graduated school in 2016? Yeah. You were in a fraternity. Uh-huh. So, obviously, you're social. Were people using dating apps? Yes. See, that's wild to me. Because you'd already see people out at, you know, fraternity and sorority functions. People were using dating apps. I think that's one of the funniest things. To like, like, you all more or less know each other or, like, familiar with each other. But, like, you still, they, like, we would all still use, like, Tinder. Interesting. Um, to, like, actually start the conversation because we grew up with technology and we don't know how to actually talk to people in person. Oh, you said it, not me, man. <laughs> you think that's true, though? I mean, I think it's true. I think there's a bit of it. Uh, I think it's part of the other thing that's changed from from when I was there to now is there's a lot more um, students that I work with that are super hesitant to talk on the phone. Like, they hate talking on the phone, and they'll try to avoid it at all costs. Yeah, that makes sense. No, I feel yeah. Because at, at certain points, I just get sick of texting, and it's like... Dude, I just want to talk on the phone. But like that's that's people like 25 and under are like fuck that. It's always funny my nie- my niece is she's going to be 16. And it's always funny when I call. And, and she can hold a conversation. I'm not saying she can't. But I, in the back of my head it's always like, uh, do you hate this? Like do you hate this for somebody who's a 16-year-old? Well, nowadays there's no reason to ever like actually call like back kind of in that transition piece you would have to call to like order a pizza or like or like some food but now you could just do it on like an app yeah and so there's literally no reason to talk to anyone on the phone ever have you did it out yet no uh, i know this i passed a couple on the way in but i think tomorrow or or maybe tonight i haven't eaten yet so you know how about this let's get in and out after the show i'm down my treat we'll, we'll, we'll do in and out what do you think i'm down yeah i'll i'll uh I'm always curious what people think about like in and out. It's good, but I'm like, is it that good? I can't wait. I can't wait to like like pop your in and out cherry. Yeah, I'm curious because I had I had Whataburger recently because I was in Texas. Okay, okay, yeah. Let's talk about that. What do you think of Whataburger? So the burger itself, it's 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 nothing special, right? The, yeah. The honey butter chicken biscuit though, <laughs> that was that was worth going for. It was good. Yeah. Got a little jalapenos in there, and that was that was worth it. I'll never forget that Whataburger we went to in uh, Amarillo. I mean that that was wild. <laughs> I mean that security guy had a, he was strapped. <laughs> I mean you couldn't make this up. He was strapped, standing next to that soda machine. Absolutely wild. I feel you know what I feel like when, when we're talking about you. In my mind is just now going back to like old memories. I feel like I should do a tour. I should give like a, a, a talking tour to fraternities and sororities all over or talk about the shit I did. I, I'd be like, the, like, they'd be like, this is what you can't do. Andy Ruther stories. That's like a legit thing. There's speaking companies that specialize in fraternities and sororities and like some of the, the people in the conversations and the talks they give are like, hey, here's kind of what I did and here's kind of what I learned and here's like how you can avoid those things because <laughs> you can't do them now. Yeah. Rightfully so. Yeah, I know. I but but again, like Stephen, part of me turns into the old guy where I just like, I like I get I I just get 
It crushes my soul a little. So we used to do a fraternity formal at Lake of the Ozarks because that's not far from St. Louis. And it's just crazy to think the stuff we did. It was just wild. Yeah, I think the other thing that kind of social media and there's been one of the, I think the biggest change has been the increased, at least in my perception, the increased scrutiny on, on Greek life, on fraternity sorority life. Um, to where like you're seeing a lot more news stories come out about yeah. like, um, hazing or like especially those um, deaths. And so it's kind of in this bigger spotlight to now there's a national debate on should we still have them? Like are, I, they, are they worth having? That's a great point. I was just going to ask that. Do you see, because I've thought about this, will fraternities and sororities exist in 50 years? I hope so because it's my job. <laughs> Um, and also like, I generally do believe in, in the purpose of when they're done right and well, that like yeah. they do make people um, better and they give people confidence and they give them like these life skills that, I agree. that they, they can take. Um, I think it's really going to be up to the, the students that are in them as well as the professionals on like my side of, can we get them to realize like you can have fun, but you don't have to do it by like harming someone else. Yeah, no. And, and, and that's a good point. I think that a lot of these negative stereotypes and connotations gloss over, again, all the good things that fraternities and sororities do. And not only that, all my, most of my close friends are my college friends. Yeah. And, uh, those, and those were in my, and you're still younger, but those were in my fraternity, you know, those were guys from my fraternity. And, there, my point is that bond that you make. It's kind of like in sports. A lot of times, you're you're in the trenches, for lack of a better term. You you're going through pledging, and then you become an active in the fraternity, and then you spend years together. Whether it's you live in a house with them, or you do parties, or community service, or whatever it is, that bond. That bond is unbreakable. It truly is. Like like even even if you're not in a fraternity or sorority. My brother said this to me, and I thought it was such wise words, and I and I, I didn't believe him in freshman year. I'll never forget it, man. He said to me, my brother was a senior when I was a freshman. And we were talking late one night, and he said, your college friends are going to be your best friends for life, man. Yeah. And I remember thinking, oh, no, I, I've, you know, there's so many kids from Cincinnati that I've known since I was eight and then I went to grade school with and high school. And he's like, no, dude, it's just something about your college friends. Because again, you, 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 that's the first time, like you were saying, you kind of become a man, even though you're, you're still making a lot of stupid decisions, anyone at that age, because the brain isn't even fully formed till like 25. But I thought it was just such a great thing to say and it's true and I look now and of course, I have a lot of close friends that are still from back home. But like, my core man of my like fraternity brothers from St. Louis U is, it's like the group text exchange is still tight, man. And I'm I just turned thirty eight. Yeah, we had a, a saying in my fraternity that the the brothers that you make are your your groomsmen at your wedding, and then your your pallbearers at your funeral. Yeah. Man, it's a little depressing at the end, but yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> like when you. Th- but like we're we're like we we were all like eighteen, so we're like, oh yeah, like that's that's way back. Like yeah. that's that's way. But but way it's far a good. When. But it's a good point. My so my buddy just got married in March, kind of like the last of my group. There's five of us, 
like The Last of Us. I, just, I love how I say The Last of Us because <laughs> I'm still not married. Like everybody's like, Ruther's not getting married. But 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 like The Last of Not Me. And you're right, man. And like, and like I said, I just turned 38, you know. I graduated 15 years ago. When we got together at that wedding, and most of, most of my friends now, those same guys of the five, married, kids, it's like we were transformed in time back to 2003, back to 2004. And, and, and it's pretty awesome. Like to have that bond with somebody um, and to have those memories – I, I I laugh to this day. I'll be working in the smut studio or doing whatever I'm doing, and a story will just come to me, Stephen, and I'll, I'll just start laughing. I'll think of something stupid, or not even just like a party story, just something that happened. Like I think, even not only my fraternities, I think of my dorm, living in the dorm on that floor. Oh, the, the amount of funny stories I have. Did you live in a dorm? I did. Uh, for all four years. All four years. Yeah, um, I was an RA for three of them. Oh, so you're the guy in charge. Yeah, it was. I mean, glorified like mall cop, but yeah. <laughs> the resident assistant. I feel ya. My a guy in my fraternity was my resident assistant my sophomore year. Yeah, I mean it. It was a job. I got I got paid for, so it was a nice little trade off. Yeah. You get a tuition break for that too? No, not at the school I went to. We got we got paid like uh, we were salary, um, but we didn't get like um, room and board covered. What's that like now being an RA? I, I wonder if that's different even. The so I'm not really involved in that side of life in college sure. anymore. But kind of from what I've gathered, what was it's, it, dude? You're not that old. Like, what was it like when you were an RA? It was, you were pretty much in charge of, of floor. your floor and your residence. Now I think um, some schools are moving away to where their main focus of the RA is kind of to build relationship and community. And then they're t- kind of taking away that um, like authoritarian. Yeah. Like ju- the judicial power. And they're kind of giving yeah. it to the school because they're like, it creates a weird dynamic when you're like, you're a student. Why are you also telling me what to do? Yeah, that is. That's an interesting point. I remember my RA freshman year. He was directly across the hall from me, basically. I mean, you you get paranoid, You'd be like, "Oh, you can't let the RA see you drinking in the room." Oh, you know, we're smoking weed. Oh, is the RA gonna smell it? Kevin was his name. Yeah. I, so my first year was my sophomore year, and I was like nineteen. And one of the one of the students in my on in my hall uh, that I oversaw, he was a he was a senior. He was twenty two, and I remember I'd like knock on his door, and he's like. Who the fuck are you? <laughs> wait, wait a second. This is kind of funny. So you as a 19-year-old had to like knock on a 22-year-old. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, and he's just like, go away. Yeah. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Sorry for bothering you. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Like the RA just basically had to monitor things. But my RA was cool freshman year. Sophomore year was a guy in my fraternity. So like, dude, come on. This guy in my fraternity, like – Anything went. Yeah. He, he was the guy who saw me rip down the exit sign when I was hammered one night, blacked out. Ripped it down. The next day, he, he knocks on my door. He's like, dude, you remember last night? I go, nope. He's like, you ripped down the exit sign. And he hands me a piece of paper. He goes, dude, that's $500. I'm not charging you for it. The school would charge you $500 on your tuition, Ruther. You better find that fucking exit sign. And I opened one of my drawers. Weirdo me ripped off the exit sign and hid it underneath a bunch of clothes. Classic drunk move. <laughs> I guess everyone has their thing. 
man, we, we'd all be kicked off campus. My whole floor. We would, ro- we would, dude, we would roam the halls naked as a joke. Yeah, you definitely would be kicked off campus. And Title IX. I mean, we hazed each other. I, I took a shower. So I took a shower once, and they took, they took my towel. My entire dorm floor on both sides lined up. My towel was hanging at the end. The joke was that I had to run through, and they'd all snap my ass with their own towels. I, I was completely naked. And, and there's a, I do have a picture of that at the end. Uh, there's a picture somewhere. But, but yeah, like, that's actually that's a great question. So, so that story involves like 30 to 40 people. Mm-hmm. What happens at your school? 30 to 40 people do that to somebody. They quote unquote haze. Is everybody then liable? Yes. That whole floor. Uh, anyone that was involved. Um, and then there's. Even, what about people who are watching, clapping, laughing? Yes. Like they would. Uh, I can't speak to like what the outcome would be, but they would be like brought in and, and questioned and, and kind of go through the process as well. Um, there's a couple of states, and I don't know them off the top of my head, but it's illegal to get hazed. I wonder how that works with sports, though. So, Right? Yeah, so the top three in terms of like kind of high-risk student populations, fraternity and sorority life, um, athletics, and band is the third one. Yeah, that makes sense. You've seen some bad things come out with bands, too, and people yeah. dying. Band guys go crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Athletics gets, like, in my opinion, athletics gets um, a pass a lot of times. Um, Even, like, like the NFL, like, blatantly hazes. That's what I was going to ask. You're talking about states making it illegal. Now they've changed. You know, Hard Knocks used to always show the hazing. I bet the NFL gave them a directive, stop showing that. Yeah, I don't know. Like, they teams just openly do it, and, uh, like, I'm— NFL always comes to mind because they always put up the pictures like the teams will, will tweet out the pictures of like the rookies um, like having the to either, or like getting haircuts or having to get dressed up and like all of that is by definition hazing and it everyone is just kind of laughs it off but again I'm like these are millionaires hazing other millionaires it's like whatever yeah uh, but then as you've like talked on on dirty sports a lot you have those the rich incognitos um, to where like like things just set them off and they do some really crazy things and you never know if that's like going to happen again. Like try to chop off their dad's head. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I know, but I don't know. Like, like again, maybe I'm just more old school. I'm just like sports military. It's like, it's like hazing is going to happen. See, I don't think it like it has to happen though. So you're you you're pretty firmly against it. Yeah, I just so I think it's just the dumbest thing ever. Like I don't see the point in it. Um, but it also it also bonds you with people at times too. Yeah, that's Stockholm syndrome. So so you're all, you're 100 against it. So, yeah. So 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 let me get this. Let's let's do an NFL scenario because you see this all the time. Yeah. And this is always tweeted out. They bring the big first round pick. The guy just signed a 20 million guaranteed. They all go out to dinner. It's a $50,000 bill. They hand that rookie the bill. Like, dude, rook, you're paying it. I mean, that's hazing. Yeah, that is. I think that one's really interesting because you see the the flash one of the guarantee, but it's not like they get that money up front. Um, Like, it comes in, like, increments most of the time. And 
usually i forget i think it was like michael vick did like an interview where they were talking about it um to where he's like yeah like i got like I got my contract and I was like, I was getting by my mom a new house and a new car. And then I got my contract and it was like for $500,000. And I was like, this was supposed to be like 6 million. What happened? Yeah. And then it's like the agent fees, the taxes. So like, sure. I think people forget that when they see athlete like sticker prices for contracts, they forget that like no. it goes through taxes and no, then agents right. and then different entities. You're right. But like, to me, it's like, I don't know. I, I guess we just disagree on that. Like it, it's kind of like, it's part of, it's part of, it's just part of the thing where it's like, then the next guy, they're going to do that shit to the next guy. But like, why? Like, so hazing, hazing happens on a spectrum. There's like, sure. there's the extreme end to where like people die and like you, yeah, like, yeah, people yeah, yeah. like get, get just destroyed. And then there's these kind of like, um, lesser ones, like kind of softer things like that. The, the meal thing, like it is hazing, but on the spectrum, it, it wouldn't be kind of sure. at the same level as force feeding someone like bottles of alcohol. Yeah. Um, and so I think it also is important to remember that like hazing is on like the spectrum and you can't really compare shoving, you know, handles of vodka down someone's throat to making someone, um, who's going to make millions of dollars pay, pay a meal. Yeah. Um, but like, it's still like constitutes as hazing. And like, I think you can, you can still have fun and you can still go for that like bonding aspect without having to do it at the expense of someone else. I guess my response would be that hazing, even that term is, it it might be, it's kind of gotten ambiguous. And maybe I come from a different background. I also have four brothers, right? So like I literally grew up with hazing, (laughs) like, like by definition in a way. Hazing, bullying, it's pretty synonymous. Would you agree or no? Bullying is like a subset of hazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're, so, so they're pretty close. So I, so I guess for me, uh, again, it depends on what someone's doing or, you, you know, the actions of just busting balls. Because um, that's where we'd probably maybe disagree is I might just say, oh, you're just, you're just breaking some guy's balls, you know. You're just busting balls a little. Like when somebody could say, oh, that's hazing. Does that make sense? Am I making any sense? Yeah. Hazing is, is uh, I believe, intentionally written broadly. So that way it can kind of like apply to different subjects. And you, I think the reason it's not really specified is you can't codify everything. Yeah. You can't think of every scenario, especially when it comes to fraternity and sorority life hazing because they get really creative yeah. with some of the things they do. And so you can't really have like a strict definition because then someone can say like, look, we didn't do this. But like everyone yeah. knows – yeah, you you technically didn't do that, but 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 like I, I guess like here's the scenario. I'm not even a pledge. I'm an active, and everybody's like shots, shots, shots. They're like all encouraging me to do shots. Is that hazing? Uh, it can be. So you don't have to be like uh, a new member to to get haze. It's... Do you know what I'm saying? Like 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 that's just them encouraging me to to do a shot. I I don't know. That, that that's why I'm saying like it, it it's a very interesting line of like is it like like by definition is a dirtball saying ten dollars prano chug a beer what is that i mean i mean i'm being serious though i i would say no because there's no power dynamic in that relationship um a lot of hazing things comes with is there power dynamic in it and so like a dirtball going to prano you know do this like that he holds no power. They hold yeah. no power over Prano. Sure. Um, so I would say like, no, that one wouldn't be. That's a, that's, um, that's a good point. I agree with you. 
But if like you do that in a chapter and you say like you have to do these shots in order for, you know, you to become an active or for you to be present or for you to be like that's hazy accepted. for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely different. And so that might be a way of thinking about it is like on the surface, you know, things can be questioned, but start kind of digging the layers of is there a power dynamic to it? Is this like um something that that causes harm one of the really litmus tests is is there a clear and identifiable educational purpose to the activity yeah that makes sense and you have these meetings you have this conference through saturday yeah then saturday night and you guys get drunk <laughs> no you're not you're not wrong right um then you guys haze each other you're I don't know if we haze each other, but there's <laughs> there is there is I'll admit there's a an irony of, of us all coming together to talk about um safety for the students and all sure. and there being um people that also then go to the bar and, and maybe drink more than oh, yeah. they should. No, there's definitely irony. But, but you know what that happens everywhere. Yeah. It's it's like when I was a teacher, that was always ironic, is that especially I was teaching kids who came from some really rough backgrounds and you're trying to be that role model they need and you're trying to be that good light or beacon of hope for them and then here I was just being a maniac in Las Vegas you know and then you show up and you're like you're like now don't smoke weed don't drink and you're doing that and then then like that Friday bell hits and I'm like let's go to happy hour teachers let's get lit yeah, I think that's I think that's part of like the funny like part of of my job in Lake Travis. Like when you were a teacher, is um, part of my job is um, trying to get these students to do things that like I didn't do when I was in yeah. college, um, because like we recognize that like oh like this was pretty dangerous and like we were like it didn't it didn't turn oh, out yeah. to be um, no no I agree but, like it could have and so like maybe let's not risk it yeah um, no you're right like like I like I joke and I laugh and again I can revel in these stories but I was also I was also reckless yeah like, uh, and for the alcohol bit like I don't I will never like discourage someone from drinking because I don't think that works like you're gonna do it regardless yeah and so I'd rather just give you all the power and knowledge to be safe with it um, you're gonna do what you're gonna do just be safe, drink water, take an Uber. Oh my God. Yeah. Thank God for Ubers and lifts, man. Changed the game. Honestly, it really did that. That's something where I look back and I'm just like, drinking and driving is so bad. And it's like, I just look the amount of times that not only myself or friends did that in college post, like it's just, I'm shocked. There's not more deaths. Yeah, and now because of those those ride shares and even just the amount of bars that say like we'll find you a ride home if you if you tell us that you're too intoxicated, uh, like there's now zero excuse for like drinking I agree. and driving. None. Um, there's no excuse. Everyone has a smartphone. Everyone has can download Uber and Lyft. In, in a unrelated but kind of related note, dude, guess what I saw driving down here? A flip phone. No, this, this, I, I'm, I'm in the fast lane and, and, and you'll see this if you're on the freeway out here. People in California don't understand that. Like they, they don't understand if there's five lanes, the one to the far left, you should be going the fastest in. They, I don't know how this just did not hit the driver's education in the state of California. So she's going way too slow. And, I, and I'm also, I'm, I'm not like a crazy fast driver, but I'm also like, like, what are you doing? 
and uh, I end up going in the lane in the right to pass her. She's going 75 miles on the freeway, texting with her phone like out like this. You talk about dangerous. And in my head, I'm thinking, oh, you got to be kidding me. Like I wanted to, I wanted to just like strangle her. Like to me, you talk about killing people. Absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Guys, do not text and drive. I'm going to play dad right now. That stuff bothers me. I don't do it. Don't do it. If you have somebody in the car, don't allow them to do it. Do not text and drive. Just don't do it. It's drinking and driving. I'm going to say that. It is. I think it's the new age. I would I would agree to that. It's the, it's it is. the new age. Um, with like drinking and driving still obviously happens. But like I think texting and driving is, is kind of more more common now. Seriously. I think that's the way we'll end this show, is, is me me uh, <laughs> preaching. Stephen Hobson, it's been a pleasure. Do you want anybody, do you want to push your social media, or are you, you going to go inconspicuous on this? Uh, it's Stephen underscore Hobson if you want to follow me. I usually tweet about my dog. What type of dog do you have? Uh, he's a German short hair pointer. So a small dog? No, nah, he's a big big dog. A big dog? Yeah. Good, you can have a big dog. How big? How much does he weigh? Uh, 60. 60 oh, yeah, he's a nice sized dog. Yeah, he's very lean. Yeah. It's all muscle. It's crazy. He couldn't fit in my apartment. No, he barely fits in mine. Yeah. And you're in West. Where, where, how far is Westchester from? Uh, like, what's the, what's the biggest city? Philly. And that's how far? 45 minutes. 45? Yeah. Who's your team? Who's your football team? Uh, I'm actually a Giants fan. I'm a, I'm a Yankees and a Giants fan. The Yankees and Giants. Yeah. Tough, been a tough sled for the Giants lately. We're not gonna be good for a while. <laughs> it's it's unfortunate. Hey man, you 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 have at least been a part of in your lifetime two Super Bowls, two Super Bowls, one World Series. Yeah, that like I remember. Uh, I don't really remember the Yankees in in the the turn of the century. They were pretty amazing. All the the clips, yeah, yeah. That was like my high school college days well steve it's been a pleasure guys uh you can follow me on twitter and instagram at andy ruther and the show at dent report steven thank you for doing the show my friend it's been a pleasure let's get some in and out you down for that let's do it i'm gonna treat you some in and out and uh thanks for the support guys and we'll talk soon peace